0: Welcome to Senior and the People Who Loves Them. I'm Pinky. I'm
1: Cookie. And I'm Wendy.
0: Let's first talk about our guest speaker from our last episode, Moyer Moo Management, Shannon Ginberg and Lisa Mark. This healthcare would continues to keep getting smaller because I had the pleasure to working with Lisa Mark many years ago. And what ends up happening she turned up on our podcast to speak our moving senior through her equipment with cooking.
2: Oh yes. Who knew? And That's crazy. the knowledge. Yeah, really. And the knowledge that she and um, Shana brought to our listening audience was very informative and important. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. I'm also sharing her contact information with people at work because we definitely have people that would, Benefit from their services. I think that's really great. We're always having people attempting to handle their mom and dad's decline or moving out of state or something like that from far away because sometimes families are really spread out these days. So I think that would be great. All right. I'm excited to tell you all that today we have a guest speaker who is going to discuss with us durable medical equipment. We call this DME for short. That could be one of Pinky's acronyms for the day. Um, That's right. I know. I thought about you for that. Durable medical equipment plays a crucial role in improving the quality of life and independence for individuals um, that have various medical conditions or disabilities, it provides essential support and assistance for daily living activities, mobility, therapeutic needs. Um, and before we get into this, let's have a little disclaimer.
2: Our disclaimers that we are neither lawyers or physicians. If you have a medical or legal issue, please seek the advice of a lawyer, physician, or medical practitioner. I am really happy to present our guest speaker, Mr. Jason Thomas. Jason, as I call him, who will be discussing the topic of durable. Medical Equipment. I've known Jason for many years and he has shown up for me and my social work staff on many, many occasions, specifically to help them get what they need by way of medical equipment and oftentimes at the
3: ninth hour.
2: So Jason, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself and your title and and how long you've been in that industry.
3: Okay, well, number one, thank you for having me. My title officially is Director of Business Development, but I'm more like a liaison. We do a little bit of everything, as most people in the medical equipment world do. And I've been doing this for 14 years this year. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a long time.
2: Not too long. Uh,
3: Yeah, but 14 years. I have, used to be a teacher, and then I... God offered this opportunity, and it's been going great ever since. So, did I answer your questions? Oh, oh yeah. that's You've
2: been in there 14 years, and you gave us your titles. Okay. you want to continue, Wendy?
1: Oh. Yep. Oh. So, Jason, can you start off by explaining what durable medical equipment is and some examples of different types of DME?
3: Well, DME is pretty much what you said before about improving the quality of life of people at home once they discharge from nursing homes or hospitals. An example of those items would be canes, walkers, commodes, wheelchairs, hospital beds, power chairs, grab bars, anything that make your activities of daily living at home safer. That's all I have for right now with that.
0: How does one qualify for DME? That's my question. And in other words, what are the criteria for receiving equipment? And does it differ if you're in a facility like nursing home, assistant living, or getting ready to return to your personal residence?
3: Okay. So, how does one qualify for DME? Well, it depends on the piece of equipment. Each piece of equipment has different standards. Let's say, for example, you have a person that's discharging in physical therapy, deems they need a wheelchair at home for it to be considered a safe discharge, which is very common every single day. So different insurances have different qualifications. For Medicare, is very cut and dry, and they are pretty harsh, where if you need a wheelchair, you pretty much cannot be able to walk a certain amount um, of feet in your household. It's all about your ADLs, activities of daily living. Let's say if you can make it 10 feet across your kitchen with no wheelchair, Medicare is not going to pay for a wheelchair uh, for your discharge. It doesn't matter if the physical therapists say, hey, this person needs this wheelchair uh, for long distances when they get home and they need to go out to see a doctor or they get tired uh, for going long distances long distances do not matter when it comes to medicare and the what happens outside your home doesn't matter it's all about the adls in the home so if you can make it feed across your kitchen get from your countertop to your stove that's good enough for medicare medicare is saying we're not going to pay for a wheelchair we're going to pay for you to have a walker significantly cheaper
0: so jason i have a question interrupting this conversation, but I have a question. Mm -hmm. So mainly people that come on a rehab facility come to get rehab. Most of people in my past experience, most of people has been ambulance. But when they go, they are first thing that rehab people say, okay, wheelchair. And my knowledge that happened, they able to get wheelchair. So what is, Different because I remember working in a facility which was completely rehab facility, which is associated with hospital, and people come here to mainly to get rehab, Mm short-term rehab. And when they're ready to go home, they always have a wheelchair that Medicare pays for it.
3: I could tell you definitely, it is not always Medicare, unless the physical therapist. They might tip the scales in towards the patient's favor, but it's all about documentation. So it was documented that this patient can't make it too well without a wheelchair in their household, X amount of feet, because Medicare is very cut and dry, then they will get that wheelchair. Medicaid, on the other hand, and almost every other p- insurance out there is a lot easier and a lot more forgiving. They are not so black and white. Medicare, you are not going to negotiate. Medicaid, Blue Cross, Cigna, Crossboard, almost anyone else. Aetna, it's workable. So yeah, it depends on the piece of equipment, and also depends on the insurance. Like I've seen amputees, I've seen double amputees get denied power chairs because Medicare could Medicare says, oh, their upper body strength is well enough for them to propel themselves around. Yeah. I can tell you I don't know what facility you were at, but it's not one hundred percent Medicare unless like I said before, a physical therapist physical in the documentation physical therapists were tipping the scales in favor of the patient
2: interesting,
0: very interesting because whenever in my past, when discharge happened for short term rehab, first thing rehab people ask is a wheelchair mhm well, wheelchair. I'll- or transportable transport wheelchair i don't know it's make different
3: yeah it, they, there's a big difference and i'll tell you something else and things have changed over the last 10 years i'll say since i've been in there i'm sure you guys have noticed that a lot of companies that used to be around aren't around anymore Yeah, uh, right so like pinky was saying rehab says everyone needs a wheelchair 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 discharge all these people a lot of companies would just go give uh, the patient the wheelchair for discharge to make the facility happy because the facility is the one who feeds these DME companies. We get the referrals from you guys. So we want you guys to be stress-free. If you guys say you need a wheelchair for this patient who has Medicare, it used to be, we'll get you a wheelchair uh, for this patient. Problem is when you bill Medicare, you don't find out whether or not they're going to pay for that piece of equipment until mm. down the line so they may have a wheelchair at the time of discharge but later on if they really didn't qualify either a that company just writes that wheelchair off as a loss because medicare is not going to pay for it or b they will come back and repossess that wheelchair yeah and that's why i don't know i don't want to say the, <laughs> this company's name But I am sure when we get off air, if I mention this company's name, you will remember them. But they went out of business. They would say yes to every type of insurance, every referral. And you keep trying to write wheelchairs off and keep taking a loss. Yeah, that's going to have an impact on your business. That's why there's only a handful of us around anymore because we didn't operate like
2: that. And now experience is is, as far as trying to get a patient home safely. So that's inclusive of home health but Mm -hmm. also equipment and in my experience there were times that i needed to do a certificate of medical necessity yeah talk to us about that a bit
3: i'm guessing most of the times that you did have to do one of those it was in regards to a hospital bed or a a power chair and that's Mm -hmm. because hospital beds at least with medicare are so hard to qualify for, and you can go on CMS and you can even take a look at the data. Uh, Medicare denies like 90% of hospital beds. It's, it's something crazy. It's up mm. there. I know it's like above 86. If you didn't have COPD or CHF or some neurological disorder where you couldn't shift your weight in bed, Medicare is not going to pay for it. But you know how it is. There, a lot of times there's gray areas. Some yeah. had like cancer or just a lot going on and they're just too weak. But if it's not documented or it's not a specific ICD-9 code, ICD-10 code, they're not going to pay for it. So you might have had the right ask a doctor to write the certificate of medical necessity. And you still don't know if that works or not until months down the line, weeks down the line.
1: I remember as a nurse, we used to have to do so many pulse ox tests where you would walk (sighs) a patient down the hall
3: yeah, we and, didn't deal with that.
1: And take their pulse oxes and document it. And it had to be two. You had to have two yeah. pulses. Like yes, within a certain amount of time.
3: Yeah, that and intro feeding is just too mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hated those scenes. Um, yeah. And this was, it would be the same thing for power chairs in addition to All the documentation that's in the chart, in addition to what the physical therapy recommends, the obvious need that this patient has. You got to bother the doctor who's already overwhelmed and busy. And that probably is irritable, too, to sign this letter (laughs) necessity.
2: Yeah, definitely, Meg, because we had to put it all down and all he had to do was sign it.
3: Right. And that's Medicare. Medicaid, even after COVID, Medicaid still, I tell people all the time, that's the best insurance that you could have. Medicaid, you're going to get everything.
2: (laughs) Mm, It's interesting. There is that issue that comes up that we've had conversations about Medicare covering a certain percentage. And then sometimes the residents or the patients would have to pay like a copay or Mm out-of-pocket expense. Can you tell us a little bit about why? Is that still the Medicare thing or Medicaid thing?
3: Medicare will only cover 80% of your DME needs. And most of the time, yeah, I'll say most of the time, someone does have secondary insurance that will pick up that 20%, whether it's Medicaid or Blue Cross or whoever. But when you don't, that 20%, that could add up because DME is not cheap. (laughs) So for a hospital bed, you can end up paying, let's say, I don't know, it depends like $80 a month. That 20% is just it's crazy that Medicare doesn't just cover everything. That's why I say Medicaid—you you would have everything.
2: Well, what's that time frame then? Then is there a time frame that you get to keep the equipment?
3: So with Medicare and all insurances, it depends. Oh my goodness, let's see. For Medicare, typical typically, a cane and walker you will just own outright. Let's say for a wheelchair, a person who needs a—I'm sorry—a person who needs a wheelchair. Medicare considers that a rental, okay? Mm. Where they will pay the DME provider X amount of dollars for 13 months. Mm. After 13 months, it really belongs to the patient. The problem is, so let's say you have a person who, I don't know, pick a diagnosis for whatever reason. Let's say a
2: person- needs- or something.
3: Right. And they really only need a wheelchair, let's say for- six months when they get out of Cortland Gardens or somewhere, and they don't want the wheelchair in their house anymore. It's taking up space. So they call the DME company, to come pick that up, right? DME company comes, picks that up. Then that person goes back to another nursing facility or the same one. Um, and then later gets discharged and needs another wheelchair, right? If you don't use the same DME company and try to get a wheelchair through another one, more than likely, they're going to say, no, we can't do it because this person just had a wheelchair not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're only going to get paid seven out of those 13 months because a patient previously had it for six months. So the DME company is going to take a loss. They're not going to get the full reimbursement for that chair. Mm-hmm. And you got to think reimbursement to DME companies via Medicare, it's not that much. <laughs> it's like 20-something dollars a month, let's say. Okay. So-
0: so question come to the wheelchair that client give return to DME, what DME company does for that wheelchair? Because it's considered used wheelchair by other client.
3: So if someone returns the wheelchair, I mean, we sanitize it and whatnot. So the next person could use it. I mean, we don't reuse cushions. We don't use reuse cushions or even back cushions. That'd be unsanitary. <laughs> I'll say to say the least. But uh, yeah, so I ran into this problem recently where a person, I don't want to say the facility, but they got a wheelchair and kept it for like eight months, billed Medicare for all the accessories and everything on the wheelchair, but went back into the facility, needed another wheelchair, uh, but it was a different kind this time. But no one wanted to provide him with one. Because the DME company is going to only get paid for four months usage and you're going to take a loss. So, you know.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because I've had people, patients conveniently forget that they've had equipment.
3: Oh, that happens all the time.
2: Frustrating because as a discharge planner, you get it all together and then we'll call you guys and you come out and you said, ain't happening because he or she got a wheelchair and. 2020, and and we go back and say, well, where's that? I, no, I didn't.
1: <laughs>
3: but that doesn't even bother me anymore. That happens no. often. Oh God, <laughs> it happens
1: with hospice too. Because something you don't think about with hospice is a lot of people stabilize and they get discharged from hospice because they're no longer eligible. And then I think we we give them like a 30 day grace period for their equipment, but then. They have to switch it over to their insurance and assuming they would pay, but they might not. And (laughs) if they don't do that, or if their insurance says no, and then they keep the equipment, they can end up with this huge bill.
3: Yeah. 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 Which they often
1: don't pay, I know.
3: (laughs) I just look at it. That's that's part of the game. It happens so often, like I said, Mm -hmm. times every single day. So I don't even get mad about that. And That's
1: why it's expensive.
3: (laughs) That (laughs) loss is
1: built into that price.
3: So it's funny though, how when new people start, no matter wh- whether they start as a social worker or they start on my end as a DME person or working customer service, it's so funny how they will get frustrated. Like, how come you didn't tell me this person? They didn't, no one asked them. Of course, everyone asks this person multiple times. Right. But either people forget, people lie. Who knows why? Exactly. People don't remember or don't say why. But it's just one of those everyday things where you're going to grow old fast if you get mad every time you
2: <laughs> you're right about that
0: other question comes to my mind jason is that if i'm a client and i like as you said double amputee so i need a wheelchair mm-hmm. okay and i qualify i got a wheelchair for 13 months and that be- wheelchair become mine Now, three years later that wheelchair broken because it could happen are the person eligible for other wheelchair or it is out of
3: pocket? It's out of pocket. So there's two things. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to say this before when you mentioned transport chairs. So yeah, there's two things. Yeah. Number one, that wheelchair breaks after three years, that's out of pocket. That is on the patient, at least with Medicare. Once again, Medicaid, Blue Cross, it might take a little bit more paperwork and Grinding, but you can negotiate and work with them. Medicare, not absolutely not. The second thing I wanted to say when you mentioned transport chairs before and said how you used to discharge people a lot with those, we don't do well. We carry transport chairs, but I don't like to provide them because they are not really good. They're not good chairs. They used I'm to sure. yeah, they're used. At airports to transport people, just a very limited, narrow scope of time. So, when someone orders a patient a transport chair to discharge with, that person's gonna be stuck with that chair the next five years, no matter how bad their condition gets. That is just horrible. So, I'll tell people, hey, we can't do a transport chair. And this is why, obviously, I've explained why. And the better route. Better the
1: off buying a tra- well, not even tra- buying, just, transport um, chair from Amazon and saving that for when you need right.
3: it. Just get this patient a real chair that they'll be yeah. able to be comfortable in down the line. And I get it though, we've all been in there. I know you guys understand how overwhelmed. I don't know how y'all do it between uh the morning meetings and the afternoon meeting the and then the sales people and then family meetings and discharge and waiver. So people are just like. Yeah, we gotta get this person out the building. Let's get them a transport chair, real. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I've we've purchased chair if it's what got that person discharged.
3: Right, because you just get it. them out before you guys gotta pay. Yeah, <laughs> we
1: had this one patient we had trouble discharging, and we bought her like a specialty wheelchair. I know it had to have cost a ton of money. We like. I can't remember. We went to all these lengths to get this person discharged. I know you probably remember Pinky. She was in that big yeah, room yeah, forever.
0: Yeah. I don't know exactly who you're talking about. We, like, we got everything. Yeah. We got the bed. We got the wheelchair.
1: I think we, we got ambled her home. like it yes, was Whatever it and took. We
0: provided, I think we lived six month help. Homemade help for yep. her to get out of our facility and yeah. reality, they did not need that. When person discharge, they always goes with wheelchair and they were yeah. walking like 150 feet, 200 feet. That's why my question fall to you that you say 10 feet, but I don't know how they qualify for it. But everybody walking before they discharge, they at least walk 100 feet or more than 100 feet before they discharge. But they always goes with wheelchair. So
3: that's why migration. Yeah, but DME company probably didn't get... If They're walking 100, 150 feet. There was no way Medicare is paying for a wheelchair. So I know that DME company took the hell on that.
2: So Jason, walk me through the process a little bit so our listening audience will get a sense of how it all happens for them. we place placed the call to you. Uh, patient so-and-so is ready to get discharged in uh, maybe a few days. We Hopefully we've given you enough time So you come in the building and you meet with the patient first, or do you come and speak to us and then tell us how that works?
3: All right. So that's how it used to go.
2: Okay. Yeah.
3: So typically you guys would have a patient, their days are almost up. Physical therapy would say, Hey, this person needs X, Y, and Z. You call us, right? It used to be, okay, just give me the name, room number, what they need. We come in to the facility, try not to bother you guys. We would go to the chart. Let's say you say this person needs a wheelchair. Number one, find out what type of insurance they have, because that matters. Number two, let's see if they qualify for what you're asking for. And then number three, a lot of it is when you go through a person's chart, physical therapy doesn't know about DME. They know about DME, but they don't know about the ins and outs of insurance and what it would pay for what's not covered and what is covered. For example, for something simple for the sake of argument, let's say wheelchair cushions. So you'll have a person who had a stroke when physical therapy says, hey, or let's say even a lot of social workers don't know. We just need a a person. This person who had a stroke needs just a transport chair. No, their insurance will pay for a wheelchair looking through their uh, chart. In addition to that, oh, this person has edema. So Medicare will also cover elevating leg rest for this chair. Oh, they had a stroke. This qualifies them for a better cushion. So that's why we would go through the chart to try to get the patient as much comfort as we can on whatever piece of equipment we are providing them, because we know it's for the long haul. And we also know that if a patient is uncomfortable we're going to hear about it down the line. They're going to call right. us back and say, hey, this chair sucks. Why didn't you give me a better chair? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we used to come in the building due to due diligence. After we would go through the chart, we used to tell the doctor exactly what, how the order, order meaning prescription for lay, lay people out there used mm-hmm. to be written because it had to be written a certain way, yep, right. Medicare <laughs> to pay for equipment. And if you didn't have all your I's dotted or your T's crossed, they yep. would die. So that used to be a pain. And so now the process is, you guys don't even have to reach out to us. You just go online. Physical therapist said, hey, this patient needs a wheelchair. And social work just places the order online. So it's yeah. like
1: that's the middleman.
3: Right. So yeah, it makes we have something similar. I don't, have, we, to, I don't yeah. have to run around all day. I'm a quadriplegic being discharged from a facility. This is not that long ago either. And through parachute, they ordered him just a high back wheelchair. Like what? <laughs> so, you know, if I'm not looking at my email to see what orders are being placed, they we would have delivered this chair to this person. They would have got home. That would have been a disaster. But I see it I reach out to the facility and say, "Hey, this person is quadriplegic. This is not going to work." And take the steps that are needed to get this person mm-hmm. an appropriate wheelchair. And I get it, though. Like I said before, you guys are so overwhelmed; it's amazing where people are just taking the path of less less resistant. Oh, this person needs mm-hmm. to get out in their wheelchair. Let's get them out the building. And that's why I just don't like it. It does make my job physically easier, but. Can I ask patients, you a question?
1: We talk a lot on this podcast about seniors sometimes being in a vulnerable position in this day and age with so many internet scams and so many phone scams and so many people that are looking to scam senior citizens. What advice would you give to somebody of how they know what a reputable DME company is?
3: Oh man, that's a hard one. like you know. for
1: example, do you think if I have a if that DME company has an existing relationship with a hospital that indicates that that's somebody to go with?
3: It's just like anything, yeah else in life, the relationship you have with people and whether you trust this person to do the right thing or not or like if I'm a patient in a nursing home, do I trust my social worker to just handle things correctly for me, not just mm-hmm. the anybody. I would say look for DME companies that have been around and also look for ones that are not too big because a lot of these nationwide companies, their customer service is horrible. You can't get in contact with anyone Mm -hmm. or reach out to a single individual to help you work through whatever issue you might have versus someone local who, hey, I know if um, I contact for lack of better word i don't want to say us <laughs> to plug us but let's say a a hey i know if i call regina she's gonna handle that problem yeah
2: what about we've talked we've been pretty much talking about dme on discharges what is the relationship in terms of how much you guys are um, asked to come and maybe go into a rehab department and and they have a resident that's going to be long-term in the facility. Mm-hmm. And how is the equipment facilitated for those long-term residents? Certain kinds of things. Is that something on the facility to do? Or if there's a, some of them are long-term and they're going to need power chairs and those kinds of things.
3: I don't know about other states, but in the state of Maryland, that 100% is a facility's problem. Mm-hmm. If someone's going on long-term Care unit, then hey, you're the facility. They're living in your building. (laughs) You need to care for this person. (laughs) We're not paying. Us as Medicare, we're not paying for anything. Same thing with, yeah, most of the equipment, hospital beds and whatever else that patient might need, aspirin, (laughs) they are living there so that it falls under the facility. But in the state of Maryland, and this has been going on a while since I got there. State of Maryland, Medicaid has a program where they will pay for patients to have power chairs. Obviously, they would have to qualify, but they will cover the cost. Maryland Medicaid will cover the cost of patients that do need power chairs. Or if they have power chairs, they will cover the cost uh, for repairs. So, the way that works is typically it's usually someone from the rehab department, sometimes a social worker, say, Hey, this person. Yeah, they're living here um, on the long-term unit. I want to get them a power chair. We would go in, assess the patient, see what their needs are, because every power chair is customized, because every patient's different. And we meet with physical therapy, say, hey, this is the idea we have for the chair. These are the accessories and things we're going to put on the chair, get their input. Physical therapy does an evaluation along with us. Doctor signs off on the paperwork, physician's order, very detailed physician's order with every single component. You have to justify everything from arm rest to leg rest. It's very detail oriented. Physician's order gets signed, submit everything to Maryland Medicaid. Maryland Medicaid will either A, say yes, we are paying for it, or B, no, we won't. If they say yes, usually the facility will pay us up front. We provide the chair and they get reimbursed by the state. Mm. Since COVID, facilities don't want to spend a bunch of money up front. We've been working with facilities in terms of payment, but mm. they do get reimbursed by the state for it.
2: Well, it. Sounds like a long process before the chair is given.
3: The, the hardest part is getting the evaluation done and getting the doctor to sign everything. That takes longer than the approval. Oh, okay. and getting paid from the facility. Everybody wants what they want, but when it's time to pay them, right. oh, we'll see. But you do know you're getting reimbursed. It's not a question mark. Um, but no one wants to give up that big sum of money at one time. So that's why we've been working things out, depending on the facility.
2: What would be that cost? Oh, it's basically just ballpark for a power chair.
3: Let's say average $17,000.
2: Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
3: a
1: lot of money. A lot of money. What advice would you give to somebody who has equipment and it becomes damaged?
3: It depends on how long they have it and it depends on what that piece of equipment is. If they have a damaged cane or walker, I would say just go buy a new one. <laughs> Amazon it, go to your local drugstore. Wheelchair, it depends on what the damage is. But if you have let's say, I don't know, a bent frame or your wheelchair is just not propelling because the wheel is bent or something crazy and you've had it for six years, I would say, yeah, contact your physician and see if you can get a new one. But if not, they are kind of expensive. And if it's Medicaid, maybe if you had it three or four years, you can reach out to Medicaid and advocate for them to pay for a new one, but they're going to require a lot of documentation. But it is doable. It's not out of the question. It just take. Well, speaking,
2: time. I'm sorry. Speaking of Amazon, are they one of your biggest competitors now?
3: Not at all. No, no. no. I don't want to say who our biggest competitor is. No,
2: you don't have to. <laughs> okay, because oftentimes <laughs> I'm hearing people say, "Don't worry about going through the insurance or whatever." Let's this, get this, this so-and-so through, Meta, um, through Amazon. Yeah, so. but
3: That might be for like a walk or a cane or a commode or something silly. I'm going to buy something... a hospital bed from Amazon. Right. You're right, not going right. to buy, a, decent... <laughs> <laughs> gonna buy... Yeah. a wheelchair from Amazon. Definitely not going to get a power chair from Amazon. You're
1: not going <laughs> to so. get a gelati pump or any of those kinds of things.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're okay. not going
1: to. My <laughs> brother had to get a specialized wheelchair and, and it was a lot to it. I think we met, with the company and the PT like four different times. And it was a six month process to get it. Uh-huh.
3: So yeah. yeah, Medicare, I don't know if he has That Medicare. wasn't
1: Medicare. That was Care First and okay. Medicaid, but mostly Care First. Because right. Medicaid doesn't pay for a lot of the, like Medicaid will only do bare bones. And so it's a complicated because most people don't have medicaid and some other insurance but he does
3: well if he had care first yeah Mm -hmm. medicaid is like nah we're not gonna take the bulk of this but you'd be surprised what medicaid will pay like
1: medicaid wouldn't pay for the seat to go up and down
3: right seat elevators are very hard to Uh get qualified for right Um, yeah it it takes some work Yeah, it used to be just out of the question, but in the last few years, it's got a It's gotten plausible. Yeah, Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, they were just out of the question. Yeah, it used to be just private. That just used to be a private pay thing. So good for him for getting that.
1: Yeah, he needed it. And then the other question I have is, what's new in DME? What's the newest? thing that's
3: come out addition and new features to power chairs there is always some cool new feature and that's on a monthly basis problem is it's all private pay and expense and it's so expensive Mm -hmm. and because of that a lot of patients in your population aren't going to see that because medicare medicaid blue cross hasn't come caught up with it and Mm -hmm. haven't even consider justifying their job is to not pay for things yeah like you already got the basic stuff why you need this new cool stuff this is only for in the home anyway
1: especially if they're seniors they feel like they're at the end of their lives it's really not okay but. right
3: why do you need a seat elevator <laughs> here give it a cook for you <laughs> like really <laughs> yeah but there is always cool things um popping up um, you know chairs that do amazing things that you could take outside in the woods people go hunting with some of these chairs you that's know. amazing the wow.
1: beach i know there's chairs that have specialty w- wheels for the beach
3: yeah that's pretty uh, cool There are always cool little gadgets mm-hmm. tech nerds and stuff out there mm-hmm. yeah but overall within the industry i would say the newest thing that's changed my life the most is
2: <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> probably one of your most challenging things <laughs> in the field I really. not ask you oh. that question it's probably one of the Has artificial intelligence been a buzzword in your industry about, well, because we're hearing it all the time and the impact of artificial intelligence on everything. So has that been a conversation in your...
3: In the um, DME world, uh I can't say, honestly, I can't say, so not yet. Knock on wood. I sometimes
1: use artificial intelligence to come up with good questions on podcasts. Right. And sometimes it's handy I know this is completely off topic. Like I had a coworker who sent me an email and was like, Hey, I want you to do this from now on. She wasn't my boss. I'm just saying. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. I know my boss would be okay with me not doing that. We're not going to do that. So like I asked chat GPT, that's AI. Mm -hmm. I'm like, What's a nice way in a professional manner of saying no to someone and it spit out a good four pleasant sentences (laughs) and I utilized that to craft my return email. So it does help me because I feel like a lot of times I'm way too direct for corporate America. Don't have to worry about it. We need learn from me. Whatever
0: coming out of my mouth is a straightforward. Yeah. They like it we all or know not that.
1: that that's right yeah you all know that right
2: that's right so we oh. have um been talking a lot to you um jason you you said you've been in the industry now for about 14 years where do you see yourself in another 14 years in relation to this um in, another industry? 14 years? in terms of personal growth and your relationship to or your or in the gratification
3: area Okay. In another 14 years, let's say, I hope to be retired for 10 years. (laughs) Okay. Nice. (laughs) That's number one. Oh my goodness. And personal gratification. In this industry. In this industry. My personal gratification comes from, I don't, I'm not going to say anything generic and corny and cheesy. Oh, I get to help people. My personal gratification doesn't come from that. It sounds good. Of course that's part of it, but my job is kind of fun. I am like that I'm not in one building all day. Right. Uh, I bounce around from place to place and talk to a bunch of cool people. I don't mind trying to solve these problems at the last minute. Makes the day go by faster. Yeah, it's just, it's just a fun thing to do.
2: I've been interacting and been calling on you for years, except for the last three years, because I'm someplace else and he's very modest guys he's really just (laughs) a gem to work with
3: I appreciate it he's
2: he's always cool and collective and he's right not getting upset or losing your temper getting frustrated like the rest of us we vet when he comes in (laughs) we will vet to him (laughs) <laughs> About all our issues y'all so have a want.
3: lot more to deal with than I do. you only have to deal with one aspect of it. Like I said, y'all got to deal with the admissions and the yeah. discharges and the MDS meetings and crazy family members and crazy administrators probably. And <laughs> a lot.
2: Yeah, that's true. But you still have been really great in helping us. Sometimes he will even bring yeah. us chocolate. That's, that always that's helps. That's
3: way to go. I appreciate it. Yeah, I really do, but yeah, it's fun. It's a fun job. The people I work for have been great. If I wasn't working for them, I wouldn't be doing this. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah, and that's a fact. <laughs> yeah.
2: Same location.
3: Same location. American Medical okay. Equipment, seven thirty three Frederick Road, Catonsville, Maryland, two one two two eight.
1: Okay. At this time, let's take a break. When we come back, we will get a pinky joke, which is the best part of this podcast.
3: I can't wait.
2: Okay, welcome back, Jason. uh, Before Jason gives us his information, I'm going to have him do it again because we kind of rushed through that. But he's going to provide us with a a way of getting in touch with American Medical Equipment Company, and uh, also probably leave us with the um, website. However, if you want to learn more about uh, durable medical equipment, um, I think, Wendy, you want to just share it in the show notes. And once again, Jason, give us your contact information.
3: Okay. American Medical Equipment. We are located at 733 Frederick Road, Catonsville, Maryland, 21228. We have a great storefront. A great showroom, Ashley, with a bunch of really cool things in there that you can play with. Um, Mm -hmm. Our website is amedeq.com. And we are happy to talk and educate and walk people through whatever their needs might be.
1: So great. Thank Thank you, you. Jason.
3: No, thank you, guys.
0: I'm going to start with my joke now. Okay. A guy is reading his paper when his wife walked up behind him and smacked on the back of the head with the frying pan. He asked, what was that for? She says, I found a piece of paper in your pocket with Betty Sue written on it. He says, yes, honey, remember last week I went to the wreck? Right? Betty Sue was the name of the horse I went to there to bed on. Three days later, he's reading his paper when she walks up behind him and smack him again with a prying pan. He asks, what was that for? She
1: answered, your horse call. Got it? Horse call? Got it. huh? Okay. I was thinking, is this the same joke she told before? <laughs> but no, that's completely <laughs> okay, different. Yeah. All right. All right. So thank you so much, Jason. And for all of our audience, keep listening. If you want to leave us a message or you have any interesting topics or questions for us, you can reach us by visiting www.seniorscast.com. You can email us on seniors at seniorscast.com. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It would be fabulous if you could leave us a review. And our episodes air every other Tuesday mornings. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
2: you. We really appreciate you. We owe you lunch or dinner or something like Mm -hmm.
3: that. It's all good.
0: All right. Until next time, I'm Pinky.
3: I'm Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye!